this is a Marketing for Learning podcast, the only podcast in the world that's guaranteed to increase your knowledge, skills, and capabilities when it comes to marketing for learning. Plus, there's a gratuitous amount of pineapples. You're welcome. Hello, 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 everybody, and welcome back to the Marketing for Learning podcast. It's Hannah here with you today, and I've got a bit of a different episode for you. A few months ago, I went on Heidi Kirby's Block podcast. We had a fantastic chat about all things marketing, personas, and everything in between. Um, And it was very much Heidi interviewing me to get my opinions on marketing for learning. Shock horror. So rather than inviting Heidi back, duplicating our efforts, trying to have the same conversation with a different spin on it, I've decided to just share the audio from Heidi's podcast with you all today. It was a phenomenal chat and I'm sure you're going to love it. After listening to this podcast, if you want to hear more from Heidi, check out the blog podcast and check her out on LinkedIn. She is a phenomenal woman and I really enjoyed this chat and I hope you do too. So happy listening, guys. Hey, Hannah, how are you? Hi, I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm doing well. Let's dive right in. Why don't you tell me a little bit about you, how you ended up in the world of learning, and anything fun you want to share? Oh, so I'm Hannah Wadhams. I'm half of Mass Marketing. So we are a marketing agency bespoke for the world of learning. Um, like pretty much everybody, I think, in L&D, I fell into it. There was no intention of ending up in learning and development. Um quite simply I got a job with a vendor as a marketer and then um, after a while of getting very very annoyed at very very poor learner engagement rates um, I joined Ashley Sincare the other half of Mass Um, and yeah we've been on a bit of a two-woman mission for the last four years now trying to get L&D to start opening their eyes to using marketing tactics so that's me professionally in a nutshell I think the most interesting thing and I use that loosely about me outside of work, <laughs> is that I absolutely hate chocolate. And that really shocks people. Really? I think it's disgusting. It is shocking. Huh. It's disgusting. I, I don't understand how everybody else in the world seems to love it. <laughs> Every kind? <laughs> Every like kind. dark milk, white, yeah. all of the above? All of the above. Don't huh. like it. Interesting. I'm a strange woman. <laughs> you know, I'm one of the people that thinks cilantro tastes like soap. Um, and I've also never eaten a mango that I didn't think tasted absolutely bitter, like licking a penny. Um, so I can't really judge. We're both weird. (laughs) Yeah. As long as you like pineapples, we'll get on fine. Yes. Pineapple's great. There we go. (laughs) And for those that don't know who mass marketing are, that will make no sense. (laughs) Of course. Yes. But definitely look them up and you'll see pineapples somewhere. (laughs) Somewhere slash everywhere. <laughs> I love it. All right. So I'm going to start with a very big question, but we'll get more specific. But let me ask you this. Why does L&D need a marketing strategy? Oh, that is a big question, isn't it? <laughs> it is. I think, truthfully, the answer is kind of why mass was formed in the first place. We have spent decades in this industry moaning about learner engagement rates Hmm. all we talk about if you talk to any learning professional people don't engage with what I do I've got the nicest newest tech I've spent all of this time 
like crafting it. The instructional design is top notch. It's incredible. And nobody's engaging with it. And that's because there's this huge gap in our industry. We invest time and money and so much, like I can't actually get over how much my eyes were opened when I came into this industry of how good learning can really be. Yeah. But we don't tell anybody about it. <laughs> we build it. Yes. We put it on an LMS, LXP, learning platform, whatever you want to call it. And we don't tell anyone. And if we do, we send out an incredibly, incredibly boring email <laughs> saying like, hi, there's a new course on the LMS. Or like the learning team have spent so much time doing this. Okay, cool. The learning team did their job then, didn't they? Like right. we need to market. <laughs> we need to engage people with this stuff. We're living in a world now that time is more precious than money. Let's be honest. People are frivolous yes. with money. We spend left, right and centre. But our time is very, very precious to us. And we're competing with so much as learning professionals trying to get people to engage with learning. Because if someone's not going to be doing their day job, they're going to be doing something that they really want to do. And let's be honest, if we're all really, really, really honest with ourselves, they're going to be watching Netflix. They're going to be hanging out with their kids, hanging out with their family, doing all this other stuff that life is asking us to do, we're not going to be thinking about learning first and foremost. And that's why we need to start marketing better. We need to tell them, actually, no, guys, you should be doing this and you should want to be doing this. And that's why I think L&D need a marketing strap. I love it. I love, like, the we're not field of dreams, like Mm -hmm. that movie, if you build it, they will come. Mm -hmm. Like, that's not how this works. No. Um, Because we, we do. We build all the things, right? And, like, you know, I've seen so many people who just like buy, spend the most on um, LinkedIn learning or some kind of course library like that. And they're like, we did the thing. Here it is. And then like no one uses it. And they're like, why didn't no one use it? And it's like you said, like you send out this email that's the equivalent of, hey, everyone just wanted to let you all know that I paid my utility bill this month. (laughs) It's like, Good for you. Congrats. You did you what did, you were supposed exactly. to do. <laughs> you did the bare necessity. Well done. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but it is, and we see it also, like, so, so often in learning. And let's all be honest. If you got an email into your inbox, if you're a person that's working at a large corporation at the moment, and you get an email and you see it's too all and it's really long and you're kind of not interested in it, you're going to delete it. So why do L&D think people aren't deleting our email? Send them one email one time. It's not going to get right. people engaged. Right. Well, and I think, you know, some of it is from, like, I think there's a lot of people in L&D who in, truly enjoy what we're doing, right? Like, we're passionate mm-hmm. about it. Especially, like... We have a lot of people who come from education where, like, the pay is not great and Mm. you have to be passionate about it, right? So, like, you get these people, like, the passion is there, but it's, like, and and we always talk about WIFM, too, right? Like, the what's in it for me. But, like, we talk about it in, like, such a self-contained, like, within the course. Like, oh, we need to put at the beginning of the course what the WIFM is. And it's, like, no, like, we need to be shouting that from the mountaintops across this entire organization, like why this is important, you yeah. know? And if you're starting within the course, still you're not telling anybody it's there. We need to get people <laughs> right. there before we can yeah. deliver the program. So it's really interesting when we talk about the what's in it for me because the one 
and I don't want to say this as a criticism of L&D professionals, but the one thing I see so much in learning professionals is we really struggle to get out of our little learning ecosystem. Mm, we struggle yes. to step away and think about what it would be like if we didn't work in learning. So mm-hmm. we have um, a user journey framework for use and it starts with awareness. So how aware people are of your learning offering. And we ask people to consider what activities people might be doing and the amount of L&Ders that are like they're thinking about the next course they're going to join. No, they're not. They're not thinking about <laughs> learning. Nobody other than us that work in learning and development yeah. are sitting there every day thinking about learning. Learning is another item on the to-do list. They might be doing it without realising, like learning on the job, learning yeah, in the flow nice. of work, asking their colleagues questions, but they're not proactively saying, today I am going to learn this. We are the only ones that do that as N&D professionals. We really are. It's almost like... um like people in finance or accounting, I think they have like the kind of the same, um, the same passion where they like, they are always thinking about budgeting and numbers and money and you know, all of the above. And it's like, no one else across the business is really thinking about that in the same way that you Mm -hmm. are. Right. And it's so, it's always just been so strange to me because like, we so rely on other people in our organization to be successful from our SMEs to our stakeholders to just like getting support and buy-in for the stuff that we want to do that because we're like why we stay on this little island by ourselves and don't communicate and don't talk and don't you know um have road shows or launches or whatever any kind of marketing strategy it's just it boggles my mind yeah it really really is baffling and it's, it's that business partner in as well. We are a people function. Yeah. Whether we sit within the people function, whether we sit within HR or anything like that, what we do is about people. So yeah. we also need to befriend those people. And actually, I always <laughs> use marketing as a case in point for that. If you think of any time you've worked in an organization and you think of the head of marketing or you think of the marketing team, they're everyone's best friend. We know everyone. We talk yes. to everyone. We get involved with everyone. We know how everyone feels. And that's what L&D really need to adopt as well. Because if you know why the sales manager is really frustrated and time poor, you can then crowbar your learning into that. And you can say, hey, actually, if you get your team to join this, for example, it will help you. If you understand people in a much more personal way and of course in organizations where you've got hundreds of thousands of employees you can't know everybody but you can definitely get a gist of what's going on in the business by business partnering by networking within your business outside of your team outside of the HR function go and talk to other people and see what's going on yeah yeah no I think that's a really good point and I used to especially like in customer education where I just kind of landed it's required right Mm -hmm. like you can't really do your job without making friends with people and so like you know a lot of my time was spent just like hey person I've never met before let's spend a half an hour chatting about what you do right and like I think we don't do enough of that and I mean I think there's a lot of reasons Mm -hmm. but I think like one of the reasons is um we're not borrowing another thing from marketing that I think we should be and that's like content creation tools yeah and software and like my company got rid of Storyline and started using like Wistia to host yeah. our videos. And it was a game changer. Mm-hmm. Like just the amount of data that the marketing teams collect already on the content they create that we could be learning so much from 
And like, we're just sitting here like, and I, I, I'm guilty of this, right? Like spending 40 hours in beyond <laughs> just because we can. Yeah. <laughs> right? But it's fun, right? <laughs> I've been there. <laughs> it is fun. Yeah. But absolutely, but we can all do it. I'm I'm not sitting here being like, marketers are angels. I can do it. I spent hours upon hours in Canva when if I just cut to the chase and didn't procrastinate, I'd get things done a lot quicker. But I think the thing is, I have seen a lot of marketing teams in our industry go, oh, what can I use um, Articulate for? What can I use Rise for? What can I use Beyond for? And these are all tools that are pitched in at the learning level. The learning team doesn't do that back. They yes. don't say, oh, what can we borrow from you? Um, and it's so interesting because we um, try kind of encourage people to use Canva. It's so easy to use. Yeah. If you haven't got a design background, Canva, anyone can use it. And the amount of clients that come back to us and they're like, oh, yeah, our marketing team are already using this. We've got a corporate subscription talk to people understand right? these tools that are there that you can use it's yes it's beyond when we me think, yeah when we talk about like lnd being a cost center and that we're the first ones laid off when things get tight like we're doing it to ourselves we're using all this bespoke software that only our team uses in the entire company when the marketing team like when we when my last team got rid of storyline we got a free seat for Adobe Creative Cloud because the marketing team was already using it. We got a free seat to Wistia because the marketing team, like we didn't have to put that on our learning team's budget because marketing already had it and just gave us a seat. Yeah, it's it's crazy. And I think it's an interesting thing again, and it would take us off into a tangent, so I won't go too much into it. But I was talking to people a few weeks ago and about marketers always say we're the first laid off as well. And I think Learning and marketing do that have that yeah. in common. But as marketers, we have to prove return on investment. If right. I spent the budget that I see some learning professionals spending without proving any business impact of it, I would be sacked in an instant. But learning don't have that same accountability. And I think it would do us a good job. And it is changing. More and more companies, you yeah. can tell they are looking to learning to start proving the um the performance change the behavioral change and stuff like that that is proven return on investment so we are getting there but up until i'd say about five years ago i there weren't many D teams out there going hey look this is what we've done and this is the business impact it's proved and yeah. if we did that as well we'd get more respect from the wider business then it might be easier to get them to buy into what we're doing and it's in this big old circle of actually improving engagement which is what we all want isn't it <laughs> right. It's like that holistic look at like, how do we solve this problem? And like, we just are so laser focused on what we're making day to day, like spending 40 hours and yep. beyond that we're not taking a second to zoom out and say like, wait, learner engagement is more than like gamifying mm -hmm. or putting pretty things in here. Right. Like yep. it's, it really is. It comes down to the like, what how is how does this apply to me what's in it for me what what makes this useful to my my job right yeah. and it really does baffle me and i understand why they're doing it learner engagement is the biggest problem that most lnd teams face as we've already said yeah. but your tool isn't going to overcome engagement problems because the engagement problem starts way before the tool 
yeah. way before anyone yeah. gets to your learning platform or anything like that. It's about marketing. It's about people seeing it. I'm not saying you should add marketing onto your function. It should already be part of what you're mm. doing. You should be thinking about how you are getting people from unaware, completely oblivious to your subject matter or your learning offering all the way through to being an advocate from it. And if we're looking at it holistically, like you just said, looking at the bigger picture, the entire journey, not just this little segment in between where they're on the learning platform or they're taking an e-learning course or they're in a classroom on a training program. We're looking at the whole journey. That's when we're going to get that real performance change, behavior change. We're, we're going to get butts moving and people learning. And isn't that what we all really want? <laughs> right, right. An eight out of 10 on a quiz doesn't tell us anything. And saying that somebody really liked the course also doesn't tell us anything. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> that can be an important consideration sometimes, but mm-hmm. it doesn't It doesn't tell us how oh. that affects their work. And again, like I know obviously you've got quite a different uh, listener base to what we do on the Marketing for Learning podcast. I think it's important to point out, I am absolutely not saying that marketing is the be all and end all. You can't like get rid of your learning experience designers, your instructional designers and put marketing in its place. That's not what we're saying. You can't out market a really, really bad learning experience. (laughs) But you can have the best learning experience. And if you don't market it, nobody's going to know it's there. So they go hand in hand rather than, I'm not saying marketing is going to solve all your problems. Um, I'd be earning a lot more if I could say marketing solved every one of learning's problems. (laughs) We wouldn't be having this conversation. You'd be like, I'm taking this over. <laughs> I, I'd be like off on my private jet if I could say exactly. I'm solving all the world's problems. <laughs> That's great. I love it. It's so true. So then I guess my question would then, the follow-up to that would be, so if marketing is not the golden ticket and I don't need to go hire a marketer tomorrow, if I'm an instructional designer or an e-learning developer or whatever my L&D title is, and I'm already wearing all these hats and I'm already learning all these things, how am I supposed to add marketing to that? Oh, well, yeah, I hate, I hate it when I realize that I am kind of telling people to put on another hat when it comes to learning. <laughs> but when I have spoken, and I've got really great friends, it's what the learning industry is like, isn't it? That are instructional designers, that are learning experience designers, e-learning developers and all that stuff. And when I talk to them about having a marketing mindset, it's really interesting about how it's really interesting how quickly they pick it up and they realize, Mm. hey, actually, I completely get where you're coming from. Having a marketing mindset is really firstly about customer centricity. So putting the customer or consumer at the heart of everything we do. In learning, that's our learners, if you want to call them that, it's our audience, it's employees, whoever it is that's taking your learning. They need to be at the forefront of your mind throughout it all. So from the moment you get your first request or the first like whisper of something new, what's in it for your target audience? Put them first. Then you need that creativity, not just in making something look really great, making something look prettier or anything like that that normally comes with marketing. The creativity of problem solving so we all too often in L&D will say, okay, well, this is for X amount of people across the globe, so therefore it has to be an e-learning course because it's easy yeah. for everybody to get globally. That might not be the right solution. 
And you'll never get a marketer going, okay, well, actually, never's a bold term. You do get some bad marketers doing it. (laughs) But marketers wouldn't necessarily go, oh, okay, um, I'm just going to put an Instagram advert out about this without thinking, is my audience on Instagram? Are they there? Is this the right channel for them? So we need to be thinking like that as well. And then being more commercially aware. So I've already alluded to it, of having that kind of self-reflection to say, what return am I am I providing here? So you're thinking of it the whole way through. I think just taking those first few steps to adopting a marketing mm-hmm. mindset would be a real substantial change to a lot of learning professionals. Then when we start thinking about things like personas and the value proposition canvas and answering the what's in it for me, then we're, we're a whole different ball game where your entire learning journey is going to be entirely different and grab people's attention and actually get people engaged. It might feel, again, like, yeah, you're putting on another hat, but this hat's actually going to get people to see all the effort you're putting in when you're wearing your other hats. So don't we all want that? I, d- I don't want to work for no reason. I don't want to spend hours no. on something for nobody to see it or nobody to engage with it or nobody to benefit from it. So right. surely we all want that. Right, right. You don't want your, it's like being in elementary school and having like your art project like in the corner of your mom's basement. Yeah. Like nobody <laughs> wants that. Like, yeah. you know, you're a third grader. You want it on the fridge, exactly. right? Exactly. <laughs> but it is, it's exactly that. You want people to see it. Like, yeah. uh, look, we're, we're all in this business because we want to help other people. We can't have help other people if they're not seeing it and they're not engaging with it. So if you're truly here because you want to create that impact and you want to help people learn and you want to help them acquire knowledge or new skills and create performance change, you've got to tell them that it's there. You've got to get them engaged. Yeah, well, and I think I think some, like, we don't need to think of all these things as, like, wearing another hat mm-hmm. because what it really just comes down to is what I think some people in our field are kind of missing is, like, just this, like, really strong foundational knowledge of, like, good learning and good instructional design where it's like if you do a proper needs analysis needs assessment you're figuring out already the best ways to market right Mm -hmm. if you're asking the right questions in that phase you're getting the metrics that prove the ROI like when someone comes to you and says I need a training on x and you say well why do you need a training on x like Whatever story they give, whatever anecdote, whatever, that gives you not only information about the audience, but also probably some sort of metric that you can Mm -hmm. go to and use as a baseline and then come back and measure, right? And the more you learn about your audience, which is what you should be doing anyway, right? Like solid sound Mm -hmm. instructional design, the more you're going to say, okay, well, I think the way to communicate this or launch this that will have the most impact is whatever right like if it's um you know in a corporate office I don't are there still people that work in I don't know there's still people that work in offices (laughs) (laughs) like you know I I remember back when I used to work in a real office um I was traveling to all the different NASA centers in the United States And one thing that I noticed that, like, really stood out to me was the amount of information on the back of bathroom stall doors. Yep. Absolutely. (laughs) It works. It does. Like, everyone's going to see it. Yeah. (laughs) They're going to read it. Like, everyone is going to see it. (laughs) 
like you said there, NASA's doing it. Um, I witnessed it in exactly. Google's head offices. So these yes. big organisations, these high tech yeah. organisations are sticking posters on the back of the toilet. <laughs> they are. <laughs> and you just think about like where, and this is one of my biggest things. It's like when we think about learning, like how do people learn when they're not at work? How do people get information when they're not at work? Like, why don't we just use these same strategies that we already know because we are consumers, Mm -hmm. right? We are learning. We're watching YouTube and TikTok and everything else. And, you know, why don't we just use those same tactics when we roll into the office or log into our computers? It's like we forget all of it. Yeah, it's like we walk into like a different universe. We walk in and it's like everything's different here. Everyone, all pieces of learning must be on a learning platform and they must have a click next to continue button. (laughs) Like everything has its time and place, don't get me wrong. But we do, we we walk into this little silo. And it's interesting what you were saying there about you know the needs analysis, you know who your audience is. And another really important thing to realise when we're talking about marketing for learning, a lot of this stuff can be done perhaps once or twice a year and rolled out across all of your projects. So if you're working in an organisation and you're in an L&D team and you develop out learner personas, we're having a bit of a debate about the phrase learner personas at the moment, but you develop out personas for your learning function, you can use them on every single programme course, any kind of learning intervention that you roll out. What your personas tell you is what motivates somebody, what gets them out of bed in the morning, what really excites them and how, who they are as a human being, how you can tap into those emotions. What your needs analysis will tell you is that Hannah, who's marketing director at Mass Marketing, might need some more training on, I don't know, marketing. (laughs) Be a bit bad if I did, (laughs) but hey ho. (laughs) Maybe I need more training on like data interpretation, for example. That's the needs analysis. What's going to get me to do that is all the emotional stuff. It's going to be about career growth. It's going to be about promotion. It's going to be about having a wider impact on the organisation and all these other reasons why people care about where they work, the job they do, and so on and so forth. Combining the two, and I think this is somewhere that learning professionals are still grappling with this idea of personas versus need analysis because we get people say, well, I'm just going to target it to all of this job title. (laughs) And actually those people in that job title are all going to be really, really different. Sure. And you can have two people with very different job titles that are working in completely different functions that have very similar motivations and goals in life. And it's thinking of them as a person, not as an employee, not as a learner, who they are as a human being that is going to make the biggest difference when it comes to actually getting people engaged with learning. And yeah, you're looking at it from a different point of view, but you don't have to do this on every single project. You have your personas. Your personas honestly could last you a good few years. In the state of the world we're in at the moment, we do say to make sure you're checking in on them at least every 12 months to just check. You haven't learned anything new. They don't need changing. If they still ring true to you, great. Stick with them. Um, I use covid as a case in point if you created them in january 2020 by december 2020 (laughs) they were out of date so we need to like make sure we're keeping them fresh but you can use them on every project and it's a it's the emotional side it's the it's almost what people consider like the fluffy stuff it's the human stuff 
that we need to consider if we want to get people engaged in that first instance. And then, of course, you need a phenomenal learning experience that's absolutely applied to who they are as an employee, how they can apply it to their work. How is it actually going to help them in the learning experience? And the two married up is what makes real magic and actually gets people hyper, hyper engaged with learning. I love it. I want to ask you a little bit more, though, about learner personas, mm-hmm. because some of the listeners may be like, what the hell is that? <laughs> um, and it's also, like you said, it's like a contentious topic. It like is. I've actually, it's like one of the things that my partner and I actually don't agree on. Like we agree on most Ooh. things in L&D, but it's like one of these big ones where we're like always like, he's always like, I think learner personas are, I, I, let me not like. over oversimplify in case he listens to this but like he basically says that the way that we do them many times in L&D is just like not very useful Mm -hmm. and so he's like kind of pitched them like kind of written them off a little I feel like um from my perspective I think that they can be helpful but that's also because I teach a college course on podcasting and we use them there as well yeah so like I see the utility when they're done well but yeah. I do, I agree. Like, it's like, it's that nature of L&D, like, play, like playing and beyond for 40 hours. Like, we play with learner personas, right? Yeah. And when we don't do them intentionally, I think that's where we run, run into issues. So tell me a little bit about learner personas right. from your perspective and how to do them well. So let's start with the basic description. A learner persona is a semi-fictional representation of your target audience. Absolutely beg, borrowed and stealed from marketing, from all these other functions that use um, personas. If you have learner personas in your organisation and they have preferred learning style, preferred learning method, um, the preferred um, amount of hours available for learning, any of that nonsense, that's not a persona. (laughs) That's you just trying your best to crowbar your thoughts and feelings in with who your audience is. A persona, really there's three key elements of a persona. And I could go into loads and loads of details. Hey, I've got a persona's guide that your listeners can have for free. I don't care. We give it out everywhere. (laughs) Um, There's three key points. Motivations and goals. What is it that gets your audience out of bed in the morning? Nobody jumps out of bed and goes, yay, I get to do a data protection course today. (laughs) Nobody. What actually gets them out of bed in the morning? Then you want to look at their fears and their pain points. What is it that's scaring them? What is it that's acting as a blocker to them? Um, A lot of organisations right now are going through a lot of organisational change. How is that impacting your audience? Um, Are you calling everyone back to the office? Is that causing problems? Like... Think about them away from learning. What are their fears and their pain points away from learning? And that goes for the motivations and goals as well. Away from learning, them as an individual. And then we add colour to them by looking at some demographic data. So we might say, oh, this person is typically a middle manager, is typically a parent, typically spends a lot of time, I don't know, going to football, outside of work, that kind of stuff. But that just adds character and flavour. So you can build up these people in your mind. What you're really focusing on is those motivations and goals and their fears and pain points. Because that's what tell, that's the part that tells you what they want, what they need, 
and what's stopping them getting involved. That's the picture that's going to help you engage with your audience better and get them involved in your learning. If you are just thinking about them in a learning context, it's not going to change how you communicate with them. It's not going to change how you talk to them. It's not going to tell you which channel to use to find them. Your persona should be able to tell you where where, you're, where are these people hanging out? Hmm. Are they spending loads of time in the kitchen at the office for those that are still in offices? Are they spending loads of time on your intranet? Are they always in Slack? It should be telling you this stuff just by painting a picture of who the individual is. It should be making our lives a lot easier, engaging with people, finding them and actually communicating with them. And I think a lot of LNDers probably feel the same way that your partner does in the sense of they, the personas that I've seen don't tell you anything. They're just like a nice way of chunking up an audience in the hope of saying, oh, look, I did this. I created a persona, look at me, I, I ticked that box. and They're not telling yes. us anything. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's really important because I think to the broader, like the learning or the curriculum or the program or whatever it is, the more people just kind of like create these unwieldy personas, mm-hmm. right? Whereas like in the podcasting course that I teach – if they have like a really broad idea for a podcast, they create two, everyone creates two personas, right? And they're always wildly different demographically, right? Mm-hmm. That's kind of like the whole point, right? And for the really broad topics, I always tell my students like, look at what they have in common because it's always like, like you said, the motivation, mm-hmm. like certain personality traits, right? Like that they're specifically driven or and it's always somehow aligned with like motivation spheres and goals yeah like where that overlap is and that's like the most important part like they can be worlds apart you know like single 25 year old urban young person um and then like like rural almost retirement parent you know but if they have the same fear of the economy is doing really bad. Mm-hmm. I don't really want to spend any time in training because I'm afraid I'm going to lose my job if I don't work 50 hours a week right now. Yeah, You know, that's that's something that they share no matter what the other BS kind of like yeah. frilly stuff that you've created just for the sake of creating it is, right? Yeah. I saw a really great example. It's nothing to do with learning. I was on the Tube in London a couple of weeks ago and it was Sky and Netflix had teamed up to do this advertisement. And it was advertising different shows, of course. And one of the adverts, there are about like five adverts apart. So I noticed they both look the same. I was like, oh, what's the difference here? Put my marketing hat on and got (laughs) curious. One of them was like, um, put your little monsters, monsters to bed and then tackle the big ones. And it was advertising like Witcher and something else. And then the other one was like swap mind-numbing meetings for mind-bending thrillers. Both of those are targeting the kind of united pain point of escapism. People want to get away from reality and they want to watch Netflix to escape the world and be engrossed in something. The put your little monsters to bed was a very clear targeted at parents that are just fed up and just want their kids to go to bed so they can (laughs) have some me time. 
And then the other one was very much targeted to an office person that has been in loads of meetings and would rather be anywhere else. You might relate to both of those adverts. You might only relate to one or you might relate to neither. But you can see that there, there's the commonality of escapism, even yeah. though they're obviously very different personas. So that's always, when I've spoken to people about that, it kind of helps people understand why personas are important. Because yes, we can have common traits, but if you want to evoke emotions that are going to get people actually engaged with your learning, you need to know the differences and you need to know mm. more about them as a human again. We're going back to that yeah. people side of things. Yeah, and I mean, like, let's be real. Nobody wants to watch a narrated PowerPoint all day or read really long emails. No. I no. think we can all agree on that. Absolutely so, like, not. If your marketing strategy is painful emails, like, you have mm. some work to do. And uh, honestly, when I... The, L&G are notoriously bad at emails. Um, we, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. We, we're mm-hmm. kind of selfish and self-centered <laughs> when we're writing them as well. And it's a lot about us and really they yeah. don't care. I always, when I'm working with clients, challenge them and say, okay, so where are you answering the what's in it for me question? And sometimes they go okay I'm not I'll go away and rewrite it <laughs> because if you're not answering that right up front right at the beginning you're not going to get people engaged you don't need paragraphs upon paragraphs in an email if you want to get people learning yes. respect their time get to the point yeah, help direct them to where you want them to be yeah okay so we didn't tackle one beast hmm. that is always like the defensive people always want to bring this up when we ask them to self-reflect and do better, and that's compliance training. Mm-hmm. And I have heard the argument before, and I'll never forget this because I like just think this is the most ridiculous thing, that we don't have to ever consider our audience when we're creating compliance training because it's a legal requirement and we just need to get it done and over with and we shouldn't care if they're engaged we shouldn't care if they like it we just need them to do it and move on so if we don't care that they're engaged and we don't care that they're actually doing it properly so we don't we don't care if they hurt themselves then do we we don't care <laughs> if they break all of the health and safety rules or any of the other compliance rules what a ridiculous way to think about it um, you Marketing compliance training is obviously a very different beast. And we do like to separate it out because it is a beast in and of itself. It's mandatory. It's the stick versus carrot kind of thing. But we can still use so many different marketing tactics and disciplines and tips and tricks that will get people engaged before you have to say, you are going to be disciplined in whatever way if you don't do this course today. We can write better emails. Uh, we are on a mission to find a client that will help us or will let us rather um, do a campaign that's like, yeah, compliance training's boring, but you've got to do it. I like, love it. Because that yeah. would grab... Every, everyone's in the same boat. Yeah, it's not always the most fun. Um, but I think there's, again, if we think really outside the box and put on our creative and curious hats... We can come up with some great ways to get people engaged with all realms of compliance training. I've seen some companies do, um, like, it's almost like a thriller in their compliance training. It was actually about um, money laundering. 
But okay. it was yeah. a scenario and it was like, what would you do in this situation? And there's so many other ways. But then, okay, if you've created out a really incredible scenario-based piece of compliance training, why not make a trailer for it? That sounds like a really right. fun thing to do. <laughs> I, I'm up for it. And I won't lie, I was working at the company that created the scenario-based money laundering <laughs> thing. And I went through that course so many times. I didn't have to. It wasn't part of our compliance training but it was fun because the trailer, and it was a trailer. It was like a movie trailer. Nice. How can how can like you get involved? Can you tackle? Can you get the answer right? And it got people engaged. I can't remember the exact yeah. stats. It was quite a while ago. But we we can still put our marketing hats on. Okay, you're not going to be having that same conversation as in career growth, getting to your next bit of your life, supplying for, um, providing for your families or anything like that. But we can still get people engaged. Yeah. We should still be marketing our compliance training. And it's almost more important and more business critical, so. Yeah, agreed. And I've seen it just as simple as, like, one of the um, C-suite in a company that I was working for on, like, the weekly whole company call was like, hey, guys, I know this sucks, but we all, it's time to do our compliance training. And, like, made a couple jokes and, you know, made it into, like, a funny, like, hey, it's that time again, like, you know, take some time to go do this or whatever. And it like, you know, everybody responded really well to that. And it was like, you know, just that, even just like the (laughs) commiserating, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Like that's a way that you can leverage those motivations and those feelings about compliance training. Yeah, and just being really human about it. Like this is something we have to do. And of course, there's there's so many different ways to approach it, but humility will go a very very long way and sure. having the ceo speak about it that's a great point for advocacy so yeah. we need to market upwards as much as we're marketing to our audience we need to get more more sponsors more people engaged more people in the c-suite going yep you need to prioritize learning because if they tell the people under them and under them and under it trickles down and it Absolutely. makes a big impact so Again, mark it upwards. Get that C-suite involved. Get the C-suite to say, yeah, you're allowed to take this hour to go on this training course or whatever your company policy is. But give people permission. I think that's a biggie as well. Yeah, and it goes to your point about befriending other people in the organization Mm -hmm. too. Like we don't realize that there's so many benefits to that. One of them, just one, is that like they're going to be a champion for what you're working on. And you like know, what we also like that? to not think about in L&D is actually some people are quite selfish and they quite like to be front and center. So use yeah. those people as like yeah. influencers, get them to tell people sure. what to do. <laughs> uh, we've seen so much impact with like real influencer style videos, getting people to record selfie style videos yes. and putting them up on like Slack or the intranet or whatever it is, Workplace for Business. That works because not only are you more likely to believe another human being over a brand, so over the L&D team, you're more likely to believe your colleague, but also then that person's going to share it because it's them and then their friends are going to watch it because it's their friend and then more and more people are going to become intrigued. So leverage that kind of group mentality, use influencers. There's so much we can be inspired by in learning, but we need to get out of our silo. That's the biggest thing. We really do. We could talk about this for hours. (laughs) And thank goodness we don't have to because you have your own podcast, the Marketing for Learning podcast, which we'll share a link to in the show notes, of course. 
But I just have one last question for you. Mm-hmm. If you had to suggest one resource for people who are like, all right, I, I'm, I'm in, but now what? I, I'm totally bought into this idea of marketing, but where do I start now? What do I do? What would you suggest and why? Oh, I'm going to do that thing that I really hate when people do, and I'm going to recommend my <laughs> own resources. Perfect. Um, the first step is to start with your personas. The personas are the backbone of any marketing you do. Get them right, everything else becomes easier. Get them wrong, everything else will fall short. Um, I genuinely do have a free personas guide. It's on our website. I'll give Heidi the link to put it in the show notes as well. Start there, have a read through. That Creating personas is the first part of the marketing for learning journey. So if you're intrigued and you want to get started, I'd start there. Um, and yeah, just check out our website. We have tons of free resources. We're not your typical um, vendor. We we give everything away for free. I don't even want your email address. So just go have a peruse <laughs> and see what guides we've got. We've got loads of stuff. We've been doing guides, vlogs, podcasts, everything at the moment. So it. go and steal whatever you want from the mass marketing website. <laughs> that will get you on your way. <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much for joining me, Hannah. This was a great conversation. Thank you so much for having me. I've loved it.